Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A wing and a prayer. How to claim compensation if you were caught up in the British Airways system's meltdown. Could your family finances survive redundancy? And you might love your ISA, so why is Paul Lewis of Moneybox fame arguing that it's time to scrap the tax-free savings accounts? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you this week's money news in downloadable form. There were scenes of chaos at airports over the bank holiday weekend as the start of the half-term holidays coincided with a major systems outage at British Airways. Up to 75,000 passengers were affected, and the compensation bill is estimated to run into hundreds of millions of pounds. But if you were caught up in the chaos, how will you get your hands on that money? I'm joined in the studio by Helen Judney, the consumer champion and author of How to Complain, the essential consumer guide to getting refunds, redress and results. She's better known as the Complaining Cow, which is the name of her popular website and blog, and she's certainly been scraping her hooves about British Airways this week. Welcome, Helen. Hi. So... How do you think British Airways have handled this crisis? Very badly, in short. I think it's been an absolute debacle, hasn't it? I think uh, the CEO has uh, a lot to answer for. He took his time coming out to apologise. And then when he did so, sort of on social media, he was there in his fluorescent jacket and not actually giving passengers all the information that they needed. There was a huge amount of criticism about not having the information. There was a huge lot of criticism, still is, about the BA not giving information about what their rights are, whether they're flying through Europe or or not. They all have rights and they weren't being given them at all. So what can people who have been affected by this claim back and how do you rate that against the official advice BA has been giving customers so far? Well, BA's advice has been very limited. Um, They have eventually sort of been giving out letters, but that doesn't actually tell them about the compensation that they're due if they have been flying in the EU, which is the set amount of about 250 to 600 euros, depending on the length of delay and the length of the flight. But that's in Europe. But even if you're not flying in Europe, you're certainly entitled to your accommodation. If you've had to stay overnight somewhere, the travel to and from that accommodation or home and so certainly for refreshments and food. That's certainly the legal advice. And they've been giving that out sort of very unwillingly. And also if they're challenged, then they're they're giving it. But also under the contract regulations, they also have to be providing a helpline number that's not a premium rate. And it's come to light again that they've been using a premium rate. So they're actually making money from people phoning up, trying to get compensation or even just trying to get information. And they have now said they will refund that money. 
But I'm always about, I know how many people know their rights and it's very few. And of those, how many of them will claim? So I say very cynically that BA will actually have made some money. They would have got some money back on those phone lines because a lot of people will not claim their money back on that. And the onus is on you as the customer Mm -hmm. to claim back the costs of these flight disruptions. There's no automatic programme, even though so many thousands, tens of thousands of people are affected, which will save them the hassle, they have to do it themselves. That's right. You have to write to customer services. Again, if you don't get any joy from customer services, if you're not happy with their response or they're taking too long, I always advise putting in your letter when you want a response by. That'll you know speed things up a little bit because I'd imagine they're going to be very busy. But if you're not happy with that, you can always go to the CEO, go to ceoemail.com, find the CEO's email address because I'm sure he would like to hear from customers and make it very clear that your flight, the time, the day when it was booked how much you were delayed and also evidence of everything that you know you've had to buy because again BA were not very forthcoming in giving vouchers or anything for food and drinks as long as you've been reasonable you're entitled to that money back they have put on their website that you can claim for expenses but I noticed on their website yesterday that it was saying please try your travel insurance first well actually particularly if you've been flying in Europe it's down to the airline so the airline are still even trying to pass the buck and say claim on your travel insurance it's and that's still even if you're outside of Europe you can still claim because it's part of the airlines terms and conditions that they will pay for the accommodation they will pay for the travel and they will pay for the refreshments so always put it in writing and then say if you're not happy with their response that you will go to the ombudsman which is the center for effective resolution dispute resolution and then you can go to them you wait your eight weeks from the beginning of your complaint or you ask for a deadlock letter and again if you're still not satisfied with that it's not binding on the passenger you can always go to the Summon Claims Court. Well lots of different steps there thank you for outlining them so succinctly but using a claims website might strike some of our listeners as an easier way of doing this but you're not a fan of those the complaining cows. No I'm not it's the it's the ambulance chasers again isn't it it's you know it's the sort of it's the PPI of <laughs> of the holiday industry there's absolutely no need to use them it's very very easy you just write to the airline and you say this is the date this is the flight this is how much I was delayed under the EU regulations please provide me with my due compensation there is no need to be paying another claim company 25%. Well thanks very much there to Helen Judney the consumer champion and complaining cow you can read more about the fight for compensation in this weekend's edition of FT Money and also check out the tips on Helen's website thecomplainingcow.co.uk Next week, a group of high-profile people are set to be made redundant, many on live television. I'm talking, of course, about politicians who stand to lose their seats at the general election. But what about the rest of us? The jobs market may appear robust, but the fear of redundancy is certainly growing. Could your family finances survive it? Knowing all the facts is the best way of preparing for the worst as you hope for the best, says Lindsay Cook, the FT's money mentor, who joins us in the studio now and has written about this feature this weekend. Lindsay, welcome to The Money Show. Good morning. So you're used to giving our readers financial advice through your column, but redundancy is a subject that you actually have a lot of personal experience about. Yes, I have been made redundant five times. The first time I actually left on a Friday and moved into a new job on a Monday. The second time, it was two weeks before I got another job. The third time, it was about six weeks, and it gets slower. I think that's probably with age, but also with employment markets recently. I have also made quite a few people redundant in various roles I've had, and I can say proudly that in one job, 
I needed to lose 150 colleagues and they were all voluntary. Well, that's a really interesting insight into both sides of the redundancy process, which is what you've been writing about in this piece this week. So we've styled it up as the 10 questions you need to ask if you think that you're at risk or of redundancy or are facing redundancy for certain. And the first question that people are likely to ask is how much money they might expect to receive as a lump sum. And that will vary. If you're in a low-paid job in the private sector, the... Um, National Redundancy Scheme, statutory scheme, is very niggardly. It pays a maximum of 14600 If you've got two years' service under the age of 22, you just get one week's pay, which is not very much. But then it really varies according to the industry, what level you're at, what's in your contract. The best thing for anybody who's negotiating a job is to get the terms in the contract as they go in. Pay in lieu of notice in your contract is taxable, but you hope that you're going to have more than £30,000 of compensation, so it's not relevant because only the first 30000 is tax-free. I've worked with people who've got two or three years' money, and that has been a very substantial sum and a life-changing sum. But the trend is that younger people tend to be offered redundancy because they haven't got the year's service and they haven't got the contracts with attractive terms. Well, finally, voluntary redundancy. Now, this is something I know from the experience of friends, particularly those in the public sector at the moment, is on the rise. Could this be worth considering? I mean, it does present an opportunity, as you say, to potentially get your hands on a lump sum and then swiftly move into a, a new job. It will depend. If you are likely to be able to swiftly move into another job, um, rumours fly around companies long before the actual D-Day. And so if there's somebody thinking, do I want to go for volunteering? Test the market. See what's out there. Can you get a similar job? Is there interim work you can do? Do you want to do a year's travelling? I have funded quite a lot of um, gap years because people have decided, right, this industry is broken, I'm going to go away and think about what I want to do. So it's a matter of where it pays for you. Have you got a big mortgage? Is that insured? Have you got enormous credit card debts? Would redundancy clear those debts and you can be a new person and not have any debt in the future? It really depends on your circumstances and you need to do the maths before you actually volunteer for anything. And also, you may be able to negotiate slightly better terms. If it's quite a few people getting redundancy and it's all been negotiated with the board and everything, the actual terms, whether it's two weeks per year or whatever, are not likely to change. But you're likely to be able to get money for your silence if you're in a particular part of the industry that they don't want you gossiping about what's happened. Mm. You might be able to get outplacement. You may be able to get help with your CV. You'll definitely get legal fees if they want a compromise agreement. And it's up to you to think. If you're at a certain age, do you want them to pay a year of your pension contributions? It's you, you think, and it's the little side issues that nobody can later on say, oh, but you've discriminated because he, she got more than me. Well, all very good advice there. Thanks very much to Lindsay Cook. You can read the full piece, Could Your Family Finances Survive Redundancy, in FT Money this weekend or online from Friday at ft.com slash money. Are tax-free savings a perk too far for the wealthy? Paul Lewis argues it's time to scrap the ISA. Would your finances survive being made redundant? And are all those pennies in your pocket really helping to look after the pounds? So is it time to call time on the ISA? 
It may sound like anathema to some of our listeners, but Paul Lewis, the BBC journalist and Moneybox presenter, has penned a damning critique of the ISA in FT Money this week, and he thinks it's time to end the popular tax-free wrapper. He joins me now on the line to explain why. Welcome, Paul. Hello, Claire. So you've been looking into the history of tax-free savings accounts, and you think that what started off as a good thing is nowhere near such a good deal for savers today. Yes, well, certainly not for ordinary savers. And when these were introduced, they were a revolution. It was John Major's savers' budget Mm. in 1990. And uh, we have the ISA now, but, of course, the ISA was born from its aunt, Tessa. Um, (laughs) Tessa was the creation of John Major, tax-exempt special savings account. And at the time, it was very valuable because, believe it or not, Claire, at the time... Interest rates peaked on savings accounts at 13.5%, and the basic rate of tax was 25%. So earning all that interest and getting tax relief on it was a really big deal. So savers did put money in, and you could put up to 9000 into it over five years, which was a lot of money then. But even if you put modest amounts in, it was worth it because you got that tax relief. So it, it really was a good deal then, but over the last what, quarter of a century, it really has declined in its importance. Well, you've been doing some research, and the best deals on cash ices today obviously are a pale shadow of those healthy-sounding rates, but there are other factors that have also dulled the appeal. There are, and, you know, they used to try and attract us by putting rates on ISAs higher than those on ordinary savings Mm. accounts. You remember the, oh, it's the ISA season, get your money into the ISA. If you look at putting your money away for a year or two, which is probably the sensible thing to do if you're putting it into an ISA or a savings account, um, you can get, over two years, you can now earn 1.76%. That's with Charter Savings Bank. Even after tax, that's 1.41%. But the Best Buy two-year ISA, that's with Britannia, is only paying 1.25%. So in an ISA, you're getting less than you would get in a non-ISA even if you pay tax on it. Now, most people don't pay tax on their savings anymore because we Mm. now have the £1,000 savings allowance for everyone who just pays basic rate tax. And so you have to have a lot of savings at current rates to go above your savings allowance. So for most people, 95%, the Treasury says, for most people, the interest on their savings, even in regular accounts, is tax-free. And as I said, even if it's not you would still find that you were better off outside an ISA than inside an ISA. Now, whoever the next Chancellor is, they're obviously going to have some tough decisions about how to balance the books. And lots of our listeners, of course, will have stocks and shares ISAs, which are becoming increasingly popular because the cash ISA rates are so low and it's harder to save into a pension for the wealthy. But you also think that we should do away with those. Well, yes, because, again, you get, at the moment... £5,000 of your dividend payments are free of tax. Now, that implies at sort of typical dividend returns on FTSE shares, it would take more than £140,000 in shares to earn more than £5,000. So for most ordinary savers, their dividends are tax-free anyway. Now, there were plans to cut that to £2,000. We don't know if that's going to happen. It depends who wins the election and, as you say, who's Chancellor and what they decide. But most of your dividends are tax-free anyway, just as most of your cash interest is tax-free outside an ISA. So I don't see the point of them. The only people who benefit from ISAs are the people who've got six-figure sums in savings, 
more than six-figure sums in shares, and they are the wealthy. ISAs are a tax shelter for the wealthy. Their purpose has gone. They don't help ordinary savers. And my view, if I was Chancellor, though I have to say there is very little chance of that, <laughs> I, would, I would scrap the ISA and perhaps increase the tax-free allowances on savings. So maybe all savings interest was tax-free. And then you'd get rid of all this complexity. Well, thanks very much there to Paul Lewis, presenter of Moneybox, and his column in FT Money you can read online now, ft.com slash money. Is it time to scrap the ISA? That's all from The Money Show this week. If you've got a story you'd like the FT Money team to follow up, or a question to pose to our team of financial experts, then get in touch. Email us, money at ft.com, tweet us at ftmoney, or comment on our articles online at ft.com slash money. We will be back next Thursday at the usual time. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.